Hello, Valley family. Uh, welcome week number two in our Boundaries series. Uh, this is kind of a relationship series that we like to do uh, oftentimes in the month of February. And, and boy, Pastor Stephen kicked it off really great last week talking about how to deal with controlling people. I know that's none of us, right? But he just did a fantastic job on how we can deal with controlling people outside of our Valley Church family. Uh, before we jump into the message today, though, uh, I, I want to make a quick announcement real excited about, uh, and, and that is we have a new member to our staff. Jacob Bentley uh, has joined the staff 1st of February. Real excited about this addition. Uh, Jacob is going to be our director over Valley Student Ministries, um, and uh, we actually uh, had this out, uh, had a number of resumes, I think 26 applications of resumes sent to us. Uh, to fill this role in our church. And as you see there, Jacob and his wife Annie uh, recently married, summer of 2019. Uh, Jacob has a degree from Southeastern University in ministry and pursuing further education and theological training as well. And Jacob has ministry experience in Oregon, Washington, and in Utah. So they actually moved out from Utah. Real excited about that. What this is going to allow, uh, there's going to be a transition period between Jacob and Pastor Randy Hood, who has been the pastor overseeing our student ministry, uh, and this is going to allow after that transition for Randy to step into the XP executive pastor uh, role, which is really, I, I need that, uh, really that kind of help, and uh, so we're real excited about Jacob uh, joining the staff and his wife Annie, them moving out here together. So if you see him around, uh, obviously they're going to be at VSM each week, uh, but if you see him around, just welcome them to the neighborhood. New York's not the easiest place to move to. Uh, and get used to. So let's just do all that we can, Valley family, just to welcome them in uh, with open arms. As for our series, uh, talking about boundaries, uh, want to just give you an idea of where we're headed. Next week, we're going to be talking about needy people. And I uh, hope you'll make plans to be here because you might need it if there's needy people in your life. And then two weeks from today, we're going to finish the series. We're going to talk about hypocritical, uh, I'm sorry, hypocritical people. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to think that way, but I think there may even be hypocritical people in the Valley family. And how do you kind of love those folks and, and deal with them? So that gives you kind of an overview of where we're headed uh, week number three and four uh, in our series. But today I want to talk about critical people. How do you handle critical people? If you have your Valley app, Go ahead and open that up. You'll be able to follow along. Uh, and, and this will actually be a tool that you can look back on when you do encounter critical people. And uh, the reality is criticism is just something that that none of us are ever going to be immune to. No matter what you do, where you are, there, there's always going to be the, the critics, you, you know, that have something to say about it. And the reality is, you know, even our, our church, I think, is a real easy target. Uh, God's really been blessing our church over the years as it's been growing and expanding. And, uh, man, I, I, I hear it. I remember when I was associate pastor uh, in my early 20s, right after graduating from Bible college, I used to actually think people liked me. I actually thought people were like, hey, Greg's great. And, uh, and then when I became a senior pastor, it's like everything changed. Everything changed when you become like the lead dog. And uh, all of a sudden, the critics just came out of the woodwork. And, uh, you know, we, we hear it still from time to time. Again, the easy target when, when God's just really blessing our church. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, Valley, they don't preach enough on like hell and damnation and God's judgment and God's wrath being poured out on people. 
God bless you. Uh, we do preach on that. I just don't give you a set, steady diet of that. Or, or they preach too much on like love and grace and forgiveness. You, you know, and some, some Christians, I know, you know these folks too, look like they were baptized in pickle juice, just absolutely miserable. Uh, but they're, they're critics. There are those that say, you know, Valley uses the wrong version of the Bible or they use too many different versions in a, in, in a sermon. They're too focused on reaching the unchurched instead of just building up the people that they have. They're really concerned about people that, do, that are dying that don't know Jesus Christ. They're too concerned about that. This is real stuff. Uh, criticism about, you know, worship's too short. Some people say worship's too long. Some people say worship should only be organ worship, uh, and uh, I, I don't think that that's going to happen uh, here. And so a lot of these are preferential. I actually heard even someone actually said, I don't like Valley because the pastors dress too stylish. What in the world? I guess, you know, khakis and a blue button-up shirt is what Jesus wore. Not at all. So anyway, there's always going to be critics. And it reminds me of what Aristotle said, the, the father of like Greek philosophy. He put it this way, to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. If you want to avoid the critics, do nothing, say nothing, and be nothing. And I don't want to criticize this quote, but I, I guess you could kind of sum it up this way. If you want to avoid criticism, just be lazy. Just be lazy. You know, because the reality is criticism is unavoidable. It's, it's unavoidable. And if you follow Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower, people are going to criticize you. Our culture is going to criticize you. They're going to mock you. Uh, and in fact, this is like an irrefutable fact in our world today. Christianity is the number one persecuted religion around the globe today. So, so we shouldn't be surprised when there's some critics, when there's some criticism. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to be criticized. So here's the big question. How do you respond to critical people? How, how can you and I really respond in the right way to critical people? How can we have the healthy boundaries when it comes to criticism? So I want to give you the four real practical pointers uh, about criticism and how to respond to critical people. Here's the first one. doesn't get any more practical than this. Often you don't respond. You, you just flat out don't do it. Don't do it. I, I, I have kind of a rule of thumb personally. Uh, I, I refuse to respond ever to any anonymous criticism because if uh, you know, Mr. Critic can't put his name or her name to it, I don't even read it. I, I'm not the least bit concerned about someone who lacks the courage or guts to actually say, I'm the one who's saying this. Anonymous criticism, don't even look at it. Often you don't respond at all. Just because someone criticizes you doesn't obligate you to respond. And, and I remember uh, when I was coaching high school football, uh, 12 years that I coached, eight of those years with Brian Walsh, who is like one of the winningest coaches in the history of New York State. And, and boy, you coach in high school football, the people in the stands, you, woo, these people are unhinged. These parents are unhinged. Most of them don't know anything about football. It's just about their son. And uh, you know, I remember asking Brian early on back, you know, like 2005 or something like that when I went to coach with him, I, I said, how do you deal with the critics, you know, and, uh, and I'll never forget this. This is just so true. He made this statement and he said, Greg, 
if you listen to the people up in the stands, soon you'll be sitting with them. Mic drop. Oh my. If you listen to the people up in the stands, soon you're going to be joining them up there. Because they really just most of the time have no idea. Now I know I just offended dad who watched a lot of YouTube videos but never actually put on a helmet in his life but is an expert. Sorry I didn't mean to offend you. I'm not criticizing you. But, but that's a coaching fact. If you listen to the people in the stands, you'll soon be sitting with them. Look at Jesus as an example. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Peter wrote about Jesus and he saw this happening. When they hurled their insults at him, that's Jesus. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him. That's God who judges justly. And so this is the way that Peter describes how Jesus responded to his critics. And, and, you know, he had plenty of critics. There were people that said, oh, Jesus is the friend of sinners. You know, he's a drunkard. He's a lunatic. All these things. Jesus didn't respond to them. So oftentimes you don't even respond. Don't retaliate. Don't defend just like Jesus didn't defend himself. Don't complain. Trust God. Trust God. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, the Bible says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Man, I think more and more as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and he transforms our lives, you know what? It should be easier and easier, never easy, but it gets easier to overlook an offense when we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives the way that he wants to. The sad fact, though, is too many Christians are thin-skinned. Way too many Christians are thin-skinned. And they've been sitting in church for, for decades and decades, but they have not really released their heart fully to the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to in their heart. And so it's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. Overlooking offenses is not the same as pretending that it didn't happen. It's a conscious decision that I'm going to let it go. In other words, kind of like pass over it, like the Old Testament, how Passover is, is depicted so well in, in the Old Testament. It's a form of forgiveness. Forgive in real time. Choosing to rise above it, not to replay it over and over in your mind. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Could I put it this way? Your role is to obey God, not to answer your critics. Your role, my role, is to obey God, not to answer to the critics. And so the first thing is, often we don't respond to criticism at all. That We shouldn't. Again, as I said, especially anonymous critics, psh, who cares? Who cares? Haters going to hate. And here's the second thing. Sometimes you respond carefully. And notice what it says here when it comes to criticism. We don't react, but respond carefully. There's a real big difference between reacting and responding. And uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Before we look there, let me just kind of give you the background to it. And that is... Uh, it's just one of the stories in, in the life of King David. It is very flawed. We've talked about that before. Uh, but God said he's a man after my own heart. And uh, it takes place where, where David's son Absalom has actually rised up against him and uh, led a rebellion. He's leading a rebellion against King David, so much so that David has to flee the capital for, for his own safety, for his own life. And, and he's got some of his mighty men around him. And as he's fleeing the capital, uh, they come across this character, uh, and his name is Shimei. 
uh, Shimei, Shimei, and, uh, and, and, and Shimei uh, actually is a descendant of King Saul, who David replaced as the king over Israel. And man, he's bitter. He's a critic. No, no doubt about that. Uh, and uh, as David is coming down the road with some of his warriors, uh, Shimei starts throwing rocks at him and throwing dirt on him and starts cursing him. And, and look at what the Bible says here in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 and 8. As he cursed, Shemai said, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the bloodshed in the household of Saul, in, uh, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given you the kingdom, in, given the kingdom uh, into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you're a murderer. And, and one of David's mighty men, Abishai, he goes up to Shimei, and he's about to draw his sword and cut Shimei's head off right there. Like, how dared this dog, the Bible says that, that Abishai said, how dare this dog say this against the king? And David's like, hold up, don't do it. Because he says, you know what? This guy who's cursing me right here, this critic, this hater who's hating on me, said, Maybe God's going to hear that curse that he's speaking over me. And maybe God will have compassion on me and, uh, and restore me back to the kingdom. And so he actually makes a promise to Shimei. He said, you will never die by the hand of my sword. You're, you're safe. And, and, and it goes on, and you read it, it's just crazy. It goes on in 2 Samuel 16. Shimei follows them continuing to throw dirt and throwing stones at King David. David didn't respond, but actually he did a little later, but he responded very, very carefully. After he says, uh, I will not put you to death by my sword. You know, sometimes you, you know, around somebody and, and man, just a friend unleashes on you for no reason. So, sometimes a coworker just picks you apart or you're your parents are just riding you for, it seems like, just, just their own personal enjoyment. I think it's so important. you got to wait before you respond. It's so incredibly important. Because here's the thing. When emotions run high, wisdom runs low. When, when emotions are running high, wisdom runs low. So don't react, respond, you know, as you're texting, you know, you're, you're, you're typing out that, that response on Facebook that someone said something, oh yeah, how about this, you know, hashtag don't hit send, don't hit send, you keyboard gladiator, you know, gangster there, don't, don't hit send, don't, don't respond, because when emotions run high, wisdom really does run low. So, so don't be one of those uh, keyboard gangsters. Respond carefully. Remember, oftentimes, criticism isn't really about you. Most angry people are usually really, really hurting. And, and let me just say this also, if, if maybe you are one of those keyboard gangsters. Uh, I've never met in my life a well-adjusted, happy, productive, and positive person who constantly bangs out hateful comments on Facebook. I, I've never met it. In, in fact, most of them are pretty cowardly in person just something to think about when it comes to the critics. So, so behind every anger is really hurt, and when we realize that, it kind of helps us to have compassion upon that person. And, and so we're not going to react. We're going to prayerfully respond wisely. Now, now interesting, 
the rest of that story with Shimei, that, that years go by, David's restored back as the king of Israel, Absalom dies, years go on, I, I mean years and years, I, I don't know the exact number, it's at least 10 or so, and, and, and David's on his deathbed, and, and it's already said Solomon, his son, is going to be the next king over Israel, and with his dying breath, he's given some real practical instructions to Solomon about how to lead the nation of Israel. And this, this is kind of funny to me. He brings up on his deathbed, I mean, the guy's about to go. He brings up Shimei. And, and look at what he says about Shimei. This is actually funny to me. First Kings chapter 2, verse 9, he says, But now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You'll know what to do with him. Talking about Shimei, bring his gray head down to the grave of blood. How about that? David never forgot his life. He promised him, like, you'll never die at the hand of my sword. However, when a new king comes, you're a goner. I, I just picture old Shimei, you know, uh, he's like, uh, you know, hanging out at the bar, and he's telling people, hey, man, you should have seen me that day. I was throwing rocks at King David, dirt at David, man. He did nothing. And all of a sudden, you hear horses ride up of the new king's soldiers, you know, and they're like, uh, new king in town, Solomon. Just like that. Pretty funny, I think. David responded very, very carefully. He died, he passed without any response whatsoever. And, and I, just, I just find that funny. Now listen, for some of you that get uptight at the slightest little thing, I'm not saying go out and kill critics. That's not what I'm saying. Your pastor didn't preach on that today. Relax, everybody. Have fun, okay? We can smile. It's all right. But, but I, I just never forget this verse. Bring his gray head down to the grave with blood. Pretty, pretty descript there that David says. You know, so many things uh, in life that, that, that people criticize us about. They criticize leadership. They, they criticize us parents, criticize us husbands, criticize us, you know, all these things. Sometimes we need to listen to them, and I think that's the whole thing that David is like. There may be some truth in what Shimei is saying. That's why, you know, Abishai, don't, don't cut his head off right now. Years later, we'll take care of that. Solomon. My boy, my boy, take care of that. So occasionally you need to listen. A uh, third thing, occasionally you need to listen and to make a change. Occasionally we need to listen and, and we need to make uh, a, a change. Because uh, sometimes, you know what, sometimes your critics are right. Sometimes they're right. If, if everyone around you is telling you that, uh, you, you know, that you have a problem, uh, maybe you actually have a problem. You know, if... Uh, if your spouse who loves you uh, says that you're yelling too much, you're probably yelling too much. If, if everyone is telling you that the guy that you're dating is the spawn of Satan, he probably is the devil. He's no good for you. And, and so looking for Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31, puts it this way. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you'll only harm yourself. Constructive criticism. What is constructive criticism? This is what I would say constructive criticism. This is the difference between just being critical and constructive criticism. Constructive criticism comes out of relationship. Relationship. And, and, and someone who knows you, someone who loves you, someone who cares about you, someone who has, could I put it this way, even encouraged you and affirmed you in the past. But, but someone who, the first thing you ever hear out of their mouth is critical, eh, probably not, they don't have your best interest at heart. 
But listen to constructive criticism in the context of relationship, and you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you'll only harm yourself. In fact, one of the things, I'll put it this way, that I've found that, that is so important is, is to build in constructive criticism. Solicit feedback. So, so every time, for instance, I've tried to do this even in my schedule as a pastor, every time that I give a message and it's recorded, uh, those that are in, I ask them for feedback. How did that go? That makes sense? Did I say anything just off the wall? Uh, after our first service here on Sunday at 9 o'clock, I gather some of the team in my office. Listen, give me some feedback. What was a good point? What didn't make sense? Did I go too long here? Get feedback. Get feedback. Afterwards, get feedback. On Tuesday mornings, a big part of what we do with what we call our lead team is to get feedback about honest appraisal because we care for each other. We want the best for each other about what we're doing. And just to solicit feedback. And that's a lot more helpful than someone who's never laid eyes on you sending you something, uh, you know, uh, some, some email from some bogus account or something like that, being critical. That's a lot more helpful. So occasionally uh, you need to listen and, and, and make the changes. And, and again, look for feedback because we all want to improve. We all want to get better. So let me ask you this question. What have you set up in your life to who to give you feedback about what you're doing? That, that you look for it. That's the only way that you get better. It's asking for feedback. What did I do good there? What, what, what could I improve upon on that area? And, and it'll really help you. And here's the fourth thing when it comes to criticism. Always work to guard your heart. Always work to guard your heart. Because here's the thing. If you are around critical people, uh, it's easy, could I put it this way, to pick up what, what I would call a critical spirit that your perspective becomes negative all the time. And, and this, it becomes a critical spirit. So you've got to guard your heart. Guard your heart. In, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, the Bible says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. See, that's constructive criticism. It brings healing. The words of the wise bring healing. Like, like it, it doesn't... It doesn't hurt, it helps, it, it heals. Because we all know we're not perfect, so we're going to make mistakes, we're going to say things, you know, that, that uh, people are going to misunderstand the way we phrased it or, or whatever. And so, cutting remarks, don't want that, that doesn't help anybody. The words of the wise bring healing. Healing, not cutting. Because of our sinful nature, uh, we can all be overcritical at different times. And I think a big part of that is we have to recognize that. Uh, and uh, speaking for myself, maybe you don't ever struggle with becoming overcritical. But, but just speaking for Greg Williamson, uh, my, my critical spirit is always born out of pride. It's always born out of, you know, something that's hurt, that some, someone's hurt me or, or, or something like that. And, and, and I can tell when, when, when my words are bringing healing, even when you have to say something, constructive criticism, they bring healing. But, but when it's out of my pride or some sort of hurt, they cut and they hurt other people. So to overcome a critical spirit, just kind of a little side thing in this message, a parenthetical statement, I guess you put it that way. Uh, to overcome a critical spirit, we really have to guard our hearts uh, about being oversensitive to criticism. 
because criticism's going to come. Sometimes, like I say, we just have to dismiss it, take it with a grain of salt, Mr. Anonymous, Miss Anonymous, I don't really care what you have to say. Uh, so sometimes we really have to, you know, respond carefully. Occasionally we have to listen and we have to make changes, but we always have to guard our hearts. And, and we have to make sure that our identity is not in what people say. We have to always make sure that our identity is grounded in Jesus Christ, who he says that we are. In, in other words, let me put it this way. Who I am matters more than what they think. Who I am matters more than what they think. I have to know who I am, who, who God says I am, the value that I have to God. And then you know what happens? Criticism's gonna come, but instead of being thin-skinned, people-pleasing, th then we get thick-skinned, and, and we really learn how to handle it in the right way. I, I mean, I was thinking about it coming up on 30 years of ministry. I think I have a PhD in receiving criticism in 30 years, man, because it's, it's just brutal. Any leader, it is brutal, absolutely brutal. And uh, my wife would be the first to tell you, boy, she married a 22-year-old, just snotty-nosed kid that was thin-skinned. And, and if anything that's happened over the years, just, just gotten thicker skin. And, and, and really, it takes guard in your heart. It, it really takes guard in your heart. I, I, I heard it put this way before. I will not be moved by the praise from fans or the criticism from haters. I will not be moved by the praise of fans or the criticism of haters. Don't let compliments go to your head. Don't let criticism go to your heart. Don't let compliments go to your head. Don't let criticism go to your heart. So, I think in Romans chapter 14, verse 10, doesn't use the word criticism, but I think it, the idea is really there. Look at what it says. Romans chapter 14, verse 10, it says, so why do you condemn another believer? That's, condemnation is definitely criticism. Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. And so because of that, that's coming for every single one of us, and God's perfect, so let's stop condemning each other. Let, let's just stop getting down on each other. And let's look for ways to, to encourage each other, to lift it. In other words, Paul here is writing to Christians in Rome. The Holy Spirit's speaking to him and through him. It's God's words itself, straight from the heart of God. And what God's saying is enough negative, critical, hateful talk, enough hanging around with with people that fancy themselves as, as critics of everything. Let's look for ways that we can build each other up. And, and so let me end with this as we're talking about critical people. How, how different would our world be? How different would our community be? How different uh, would our families be? How different would our, our work environment be? If... We decided, I will be one who looks for the good and believes the best. Game changer right there. If each and every one of us makes that decision, I'm going to be one that looks for the good 
and believes the best. You're, you're talking there about changing entire environment. If, if we will commit to that, you're talking about changing a culture. You're, you're talking about the power to change a community. Not that we're blind, but we're committed to look for the good and to believe the best in one another. I hope this has been helpful to you in terms of how to deal with, how to handle critical people. Often don't respond, sometimes respond carefully, occasionally listen and make change. And the fourth thing, always work to guard your heart. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for how practical your word is for everyday living. Lord, there were critical people thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago when your word was written, and there are critical people today. Father, help us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, to just walk out what, what maybe we've, we've learned for the first time today as we've just looked at how, how to really have boundaries when it comes to critical people in our lives. Father, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom not to react, but give us wisdom to respond when we need to respond carefully, diligently, and with the grace, really, that we, we need to use that will please you in our response. And Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is working inside each and every one of us as we really just open our hearts fully to your Spirit. And Lord, thank you that the best is yet to come and you're working in our lives, Lord, to change us and transform us to be more and more like Jesus Christ every day. It's in his name we pray. Amen.